Um, okay, I've got a question for you. Um, when you talk to people, maybe even in your own head, you talk to yourself, uh, or people you know, what situation in the world is causing the most anxiety to them? When you're just chatting, it might be at work, neighbours, friends, family, right? You know, you just chat to people. What, what's causing the stuff going on in the world, or even, I suppose even their own lives, whether nationally, internationally, or whatever, what's causing the most anxiety for people today? What are they talking about? Yep. Well, there's been a huge amount of consternation about the travellers. Oh, the travellers in Croxley. So there's been a lot of racism and quite rude. Mm. I'm sure I've had a hard time with this, really. All the people have been really negative, and mm -hmm. I mean, I understand there's obviously complexities, but there's been about 5,000 travellers up in Tame, and they've all now spread out, and there's been groups of you know community groups going and standing and trying to get rid of people. Okay. Okay. So anger, the anger, prejudice, fear, worry about all those things. Yeah. Super. Okay. Thank you. Good. Uh, yeah, Ben. Children. Children. I talk to me all the time about. Worrying about their children. Worrying about their own children. Okay. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. What else? Other topics? Kind of lack of safety from terrorism and... Yeah. Yeah, the fear of, you know, we, you don't know, do you, where the next bomb might be or knife attack or someone driving a car into a crowd or something. You just don't know. Right? Anxiety about that, Sean. If people are able to be a bit more vulnerable, many of them speak about relationships and their marriages or lack of or... Right. Lack of, you know, not able to have children, perhaps, or those mm. sort of things. Mm. Families, relationships. Deep and powerful stuff on the relationship level. Yeah. A couple more. What are people talking about? What's top of the agenda? Financial money. Finances. Yeah. Job security. I'd imagine for Leon right now. He's <laughs> so. Let's pray for Leon. Um, I think being made redundant. Um, yeah. Anything else? Addiction. Addiction issues for themselves or people they love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 Their own hopes and dreams, mm -hmm. as well as fears. Right. So here's my suggestion, which is my thread for this lesson, and for what I think this text is really about, in many ways, is that... Sorry. <laughs> Children. Children. That was our son ringing. You should know better than to ring on Sunday morning at this time. <laughs> Never mind. I'll have a chat later. Um, the, my suggestion is this, that the things that cause the most anxiety to the, to the people that we know are the very situations that give us the best opportunity for us to be talking to them about Jesus. The things that are causing the most anxiety are our best opportunity for sharing our faith. Think about that for a minute. Sometimes we wonder, how do we share our faith? How do we talk about Jesus with people? How do we talk about God? What do we say? We're going to talk about that a little bit in this lesson. But I think where we start is, where are people most anxious? Where are they most concerned? Where are they most fearful? Where are they most worried? What's on their minds? There's not much point in trying to talk to people about stuff that's not on their minds. But what about the stuff that is? And I think we'll see that here in this passage. So let's unpack this thought by looking first of all at our passage, and then we'll come back to discussing how it might be useful. So uh, Luke 21 
and uh, verse 5 and following. Some of the disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, As for what you see here, a time will come where not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, When will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, Watch out. Watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, pestilences in various places, fearful events, great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed, even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. But not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm, and you will win life. It's a very interesting passage, right? Let's deal with the context first, and then we'll talk about uh, what it means for us. So, uh, the temple. Uh, what do we have? We have... So the understanding of the day is that Messiah comes back, Jerusalem's destroyed, and then the end of the world happens. And that's what they're thinking. Bang, bang, bang. And they're wondering what's going to happen. And they, Jesus is giving them some information here. But what Jesus is basically saying, I'm not going to unpack all the details of what he's talking about, the kingdoms and the earthquakes. But what he's basically saying is that there is no timetable for those other things, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen between now and then. So there's going to be all this other stuff that's going to happen, but before all this, verse 12, is what we're dealing with, because that's what was relevant to the disciples at the time. Before all that other crazy stuff happens, there's the things you need to know about how to handle it and about how to conduct yourselves in the meantime. So that's what's going on. The temple is amazing. Uh, It looks something like that picture. Uh, in his day, that's uh, Herod's rebuilding of Solomon's temple, because that was destroyed. Uh, it was much larger than Solomon's, and in fact, it wasn't even finished at the time that Jesus is speaking here. It, was, it took um, decades to build. In fact, it was only really finished about a year or two before it was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD, which is a bit of a shame, you could, you could say. But it was enormous. The, the stones they're talking about, the, the gifts, there were clusters of grapes, and figs the size of a human being. The the, the actual sculptures were enormous. The pillars, the pillars were so big, um, if you got like four big men and put their arms out like this, maybe like a circle like this actually, it would take about four men to to go round it like this. So it's actually about a circle this size. So there were dozens, scores, maybe even hundreds of pillars this size in the temple. So you can imagine, that to someone like the disciples, the idea that this could be broken down was unimaginable. They couldn't even grasp it. And yet, if you've been to Jerusalem today, you will see that what Jesus said is true. There is not one stone left upon another, not the temple itself. There are bits of the wall, the supporting structures like the wall, 
To this day at the Wailing Wall, people go there to pray and stuff their prayers in the cracks of the, of the temple um, outer areas. This isn't, these stones are not actually part of the temple, but the temple mount. And you have what's known as the Wailing Wall. Some of us may have seen and been to, I know you guys have. And thousands of people gather there. It's the nearest they can get to what the temple used to be. And there's great sadness in many ways there. So there's two parts to what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about the sorts of things that can cause people to be afraid. And he's talking to his followers about how to respond to that. Um, persecution, he is telling them, is opportunity. Now, I'm not sure they wanted to hear that. But persecution is opportunity. He says that you will be seized, persecuted, handed over to synagogues, put in prison, brought before kings and governors, all on account of my name. Doesn't sound good. And he says, and so you will bear testimony to me. <laughs> like, this is my method for getting the gospel spread. This is the way it's going to work. You're going to be put in prison. You're going to be brought before kings and governors. You're going to be pulled into the synagogues, which is not a good thing. It's not like they're going to be called in to give a lecture. This, this is for punishment, because the synagogues were places of punishment in this sense at that time. But he says, this is the opportunity. The bad stuff that happens is the way the good news will be spread. And I don't think the disciples were saying, yippee, thanks, Jesus, for that instruction. But it's the reality. Persecution gives us opportunity. We see it in the book of Acts, in, uh, in Acts 4. Um, we see this there. Um, where are we? Again, right? Been here. So, uh, when the disciples are called in front of the uh, the people that they're the holding them to account, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. Took note that these men had been with Jesus. How did they know these men had been with Jesus? They called them in and called them to account. They say they were like inquisitors. They were, but they were prosecutors, and that's the way they found out that these men were disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. Um, Acts seven, Stephen. Stephen has a crowd around him. They are baying for his blood. In the end, he is uh, stoned and killed. It says, he, full of the Holy Spirit, looked to heaven, saw the glory of God, Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He was able to testify to the reality of the risen Jesus Christ to a crowd because they were about to stun him. He was given that opportunity by the persecution. Not one that you or I would choose, but it's the way the gospel was spread and the good news was spread. And what were the results? Of that, Well, back in Acts 4, after Peter and John are called in, it says that the church was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The church was given boldness by... Well, let me go back. The church was given boldness by what happened to the followers of Jesus Christ. And in Acts 7, Stephen is uh, martyred. He is killed. But it says after that, those who had been scattered as a result preached the word wherever they went. It gave them greater boldness. They understood it's the opposition that gives us the opportunity to share the gospel most effectively. Now, this is a bit counterintuitive, but I think this is very important. Now, here's some thinking for us to do. I want us to think a bit about the questions that we, or the, the points that we made earlier. When I asked the question, what are people talking about that's bothering them? And we had some answers. I'd like to think for a few minutes about how those could be used to be conversation starters for talking about faith. 
And um, in this passage, Jesus does say, make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves, so don't worry about it. But he doesn't say, don't think about what you're going to say. He does say, I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. So he's going to strengthen them and help them and inspire them. But he doesn't say, don't prepare. We do know 1 Peter 3 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, doing it with gentleness and respect. So I want to take a few minutes now to think about what might be the ways to approach having a conversation with someone about something they're worried about. So to do this effectively, what I think let's just take uh, five minutes. Yeah, we can take five minutes to do this. Have um, can we have three groups? All right, and, and each consider one issue. So we can have Joe round two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five each. Okay, so Joe round a Barry, and then uh, Patricia round two Chelsea. This isn't it? Yes, sorry. Okay. And then us plus Bromin, if we can figure that out. Okay, so which question do you want to have? You take one question, one thing that was raised earlier, one issue of anxiety. Do you want to take one? Which one do you want to take? Finances? Okay, okay, I've got problems with my finances. Ah, you know, I'm job insecurity. Ah, you know, pension. Ah, okay. So you think about that, and then this group, which one do you want to take? Take one. What was one that you asked, you mentioned? What was the first one? Safety. Safety. Take safety. Just take safety, shall we? Yeah, okay, so you, you do questions about safety, right? And what's going to happen tomorrow, etc. And we'll take something else. Whatever. Should we take? Children. Children? Okay, parenting children and stuff. Okay, Ben, help us out. Yes, Please help us out, because we need to know. Okay, so here's what I'd like to ask you to do is um, brainstorm this. So three, three things to think about. Questions to ask. Secondly, scriptures to use. And thirdly, points to make. All right? Uh, but focus particularly on the first one. If you've got questions, that's the main thing. Questions to ask a person about this. Okay? Open-ended questions. Five minutes, and I'm setting... Uh, but one insight per group. What's that? Uh, yes, Kate, Kate, you go ahead. Um, so, with compassion and vulnerability, so when you're talking to somebody, it doesn't really help to Compassion and vulnerability are vital before anything else. Coming alongside? Excellent. Okay, so that's the beginning. Good. Okay. Uh, A thought from one of the other two groups. From Joe? Give us an insight, Joe. Our group had finance. And we've got two okay. finance experts over here. Right. And what they said <laughs> 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 was um, <laughs> when, when, when someone says that they've got a uh, difficulty in finance, and, uh, then to first of all empathise and uh, try to understand the person first mm-hmm. before you start giving yeah. them guidelines. Okay. And then, uh, Try to understand what they need to prioritise and also walk alongside with them. It's not just tell them what to do, but actually walk with them. Right. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, John.
Excellent. All right. Um, ready? Charles had some really good ideas. I think, actually, what everybody else has said, uh, I suppose the other thing I might throw in would be um, it's asking people what they, where they get strength at the moment um, before we launch into our top ten tips mm -hmm. or something. Um, and Malcolm's idea was to do a Google search. <laughs> Kind of. <laughs> kind of. And it's, if you search, if you type into Google how to or how to be, it's really interesting what comes up. How to be confident, how to be successful, how to be happy, uh, how to be a good gives you things like parent. Um, so those are the things that people are looking for advice about. And I think that, although, so that there's an empathy and a connection that needs to be made first. But people are looking for, for answers and solutions. There, this is a chaotic, challenging world mm. that we all live in. And I do think the scriptures and the life of Jesus gives us answers we need. Not necessarily that you'll be, uh, you're going to find all the answers to being a parent. It's not like the Bible is a parenting manual. But knowing God can give us the peace we need to cope with being the kind of parent we can at least best be. And, and when finances are a challenge, having that underlying strength that means that even if my finances aren't where I want them to be, actually I can, can come, I can. Anyway, so the, I think one of the things I'd like to give us as a bit of a, um, a homework challenge is to think through the kinds of ways that we would be and the, the questions we might ask um, that are gonna help people who, right now, they may not talk to you about God, it may not be that someone's walking up to you saying, please tell me about Jesus. But if they're opening up to say, I've got worries and fears about this, that, or the other, that's a potential channel to talk about God because God is relevant to every situation. And in the context of what we're looking about in this passage, the disciples are like, what? The, the, the temple, earthquakes, kingdoms are going to fall? What's, go what's going on? And he says, yeah, well, don't worry about that. What you need to do is... You need to make sure you take the opportunities that God gives you to share about me, on account of me. Be a, share your testimony. And, and that's going to be when you're going through challenging times. Persecution and prison and all kinds of mess, basically. A couple of books you might be interested in. I'm going to recommend these. Um, in terms of good uh, ways to think about questions, um, the book on the left called Jesus Asked the Questions He... Jesus Asked What He Wanted to Know is an interesting book by a chap I know called Conrad Gempf. And uh, it's, it's not a how-to manual, but it illustrates how Jesus used questions well in helping people to open up. And then he gave him the opportunity to talk about what they needed to hear. So it's a great little book about uh, uh, Jesus and his approach. And it's really it's a good, easy read. Um, the second book... Um, is by a former president of the CMF, the Christian Medical Fellowship, and The Search for God and the Path to Persuasion. Uh, it's not quite such an easy read, and there are large parts of the book that I didn't find as helpful, but there's some sections in it I thought were really good about how to start conversations with people about spiritual things, where you're starting from a secular... The beginning of the conversation is secular, but it, it moves in to, into spiritual territory. And he has some 
excellent suggestions on that in a chapter of the book. I've brought the book with me if anybody wants to have a look, look at it. Um, but it's particularly good. He's worked in a, <clears throat> you know, in a secular world for a long time. He's retired now. And I think you might find that uh, interesting. He has some, also some good tips about how to share your own testimony, which I found useful. So that might be useful. So just to wrap up, and then we'll finish um, with a prayer. <clears throat> uh, the, Jesus says in this passage, everyone will hate you because of me. Not exactly a lot of fun. And then he says, not a hair of your head will perish. Well, that sounds good, except that you just said before that, some of you will be put to death. How does that work? Well, it doesn't work. And it's not meant to work, because he's not saying by saying, not a hair of your head will perish, that you're going to be physically safe. He never promises that. He's talking there about the spiritual perspective, because then he says, stand firm and you will win life. Life to the full, life everlasting. There's a strength that comes from when we understand that in the problems, those are the possibilities, and God is with us. He will give us the words we need, but let's think about the words we might use for any given situation. Um, Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for the example of Jesus, that he faced more opposition than any of us have or will, but it didn't deter him from his... His desire to carry out what you gave him to do, Father, to bring the gospel to as many people as possible. Father, we pray that you'll help us to understand the possibilities, the opportunities you're giving us through difficult things. Difficult things in our own lives and in the lives of the people that are near us. Difficult things in this world, Father. We pray, Father, you'll help us to view those things with the eyes of faith and not to keep our eyes focused on the problems, but on the opportunities you're giving us to share the gospel. Give us wisdom, Father. As Jesus promised, give us wisdom, give us the right words for the particular people that you put in our mind. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.